0: All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Man, it, man, it took the week off inadvertently. Man, it was a uh, it was a hell of a week. A lot of stuff going on, but just got back into town, headed up for the mountains for the week weekend slash stuff. And so, whew, it has been a little bit of a challenge, but all is well. We are back, episode number ninety two. That is right, eight more episodes or eight episodes before the big 100 absolutely crazy what a big journey 100 episodes and trying to get through it but almost there and i'm looking forward to it so a lot of big things coming for 2023 so really looking forward to that but today let's talk a little bit about what happened last weekend yep it feels like a year ago but it literally was just last weekend and i want to bring it up So you guys heard me talking about it, and this was a goal for 2023 for myself to start getting out to more trainings and doing some more stuff and riding, doing some more riding on the motorcycles. And well, we got it kicked off. So this episode today, what are we talking about? Let's talk motorcycle training. I don't know. Or is it? This is the first episode on motorcycle training. We got a lot coming up on that one, but... Some updates for you guys. I just saw the Baja Rally announced that their dates for next year. Again, going on that six-day format with that long marathon stage right in the middle. So absolutely stoked on that and seeing how that pans out. Again, last year, this past year, 2022, i mean, already talking about it, right? Like if it was a year ago already, but no, literally just this past year. And if you guys heard it, we did the recap show on it. A uh, lot of fun there for that event. Uh, with them doing that first uh, first marathon stage ever, which was awesome. I think it really shines a light on people's mechanical abilities and then also plays a part in conservation, tire conservation. As we so professionally fade the music out or, as I say, turn the party down. But man, I missed it. I missed being on uh, on the microphone, getting an episode for you guys. Trying to do better about it, you know, getting all my episodes recorded, get everybody lined up and all that stuff. And man, it is the end of the year and it is getting way close to the Dakar. So we're going to see what uh, what pans out on that one. I would definitely want to get a couple more in the bidwax in before the beginning of the Dakar. And then we're going to be getting ready uh, to bring you guys a lot of news this time around. This is really cool. Going to be working with the guys, uh, American Rally Originals, uh, that team and helping get their information, their updates out to the world. Uh, happy to help them with that and, and, and just get more news out there, man. We've got a lot going on for this. we got a lot of American 11 Americans headed to the Dakar this year. Uh, so I am absolutely stoked, uh, to see that happen and see how everybody fares on that one, especially in the Malamoto class with the five guys from American rally originals out there. So I think that'll be a lot of, uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun for sure. So, all right, let's get to it. Let's talk some training. So this had been a goal of mine for, for some time. Right. You know, I, I think that there was um, <clears throat> let's, let's rewind it. Right. So back in May uh, we went out and this was uh, by we, I mean, uh, Travis from every single Sunday invited me up to the uh, Revzilla event uh, out at Zach in the Mojave. And it was a lot of fun, you know, got, got to do some riding, got to do some stuff out on the, uh, out on the courses that they had set up and some of the different rides and stuff like that. And, you know i had a lot of fun um i definitely had worked uh on the bike to get it to that point and get it ready to go and uh was excited you know i i switched bikes back and forth with travis and there was a couple of things that i noticed right away that i'm like okay well i need to work on this um and so you know I, I figured I took a long break. There was a lot of stuff going on um, and, and and focusing on other things and I didn't get a chance to work on the bike, but finally made it happen, got those items that I had that I wanted to take care of, and it was just setup stuff, right? Nothing like super huge um other than you know setting setting the suspension sack, like basically re-zeroing the suspension. Um ended up going with another set of tires. I was running the Tusk D Sport front with the fatty 216 front or rear. Blah, blah, blah. I said that backwards. Fatty 216 up front uh, from Shinko and then running a um, the Tusk D-Sport rear. So really good combination out in the dirt. Um, but I knew for what I was going to be doing that I didn't need something so aggressive, but I still needed something that had some traction. So I made the last minute decision to do a tire change as well right before doing the class uh, which panned out because, you know, the idea is if you're going to train on a bike, you know, ride it the way that it's set it up. Right. Um, that was something that went over the class and I'll get more to that here in just a second, but basically worked it out, got everything that I needed to do done to the bike. So first word of advice on that one is make a list. I had so many things that I was just flying around in my head. I'm like, Ooh, this, that, I felt like, you know, it was a squirrel jumping around everywhere. And it, it sometimes makes it difficult to focus on the things you need to do. And the last thing you want is that you get out to the event or you get out to where you're headed for your riding. You go, Ooh, I forgot to do that. So, uh, I, it took me a little bit. I, I, got everything done. And basically what I did is I just started at the front of the bike, you know, got everything done and then went to the back of the bike. You know, it was, uh, I ended up going with the Galfer brakes, the Galfer disc up front with the ceramic pads in the front, uh, which interesting enough, right. Um, this is some, in I got to do some more tech stuff, and I want to get Nick on from Galfer uh, to talk a little bit about this. But I noticed some differences, and we, we were talking uh, back all the way back in May. I said, hey, you know what? Um, this is what I ended up doing. You know, what do you recommend? And he recommended a certain type of pads, you know, recommended the rotor. Uh, same for the rear, you know, so I did pads and rotors on the bike. Uh, got that set up, rode it around, broke them in, got that done. Installed the Transaver from uh, Rawiller Performance, uh, and then also uh, let's see what else. Changed the gearing up a little bit. Um, I've been messing with the gearing on the bike a little bit, only because it. I feel like it makes it more responsive. Right now, I'm at a 55, or excuse me, 15 and 43 on it so eh, i feel like it may be a little bit more rung out on the freeway than i'd like it to be uh but in the dirt especially in first gear it rolls really really nice and it just carries that speed through the corners i could maybe look for a little bit more i got one more combination that i want to try um just to see how it feels and see if that's you know going to be the the way to go about it and so the big thing with it is, is that is my first gear usable, right? Is it usable in the dirt? Is it usable in the street? Um, you know, it is a seven ninety. It is an adventure bike. You know, it's not supposed to be a dirt bike, uh, or ridden as such, unless you're Quinn Cody and then that's uh, or unless you're Travis or you, you know, it, you want to gear it to what you're doing. And I do a lot more longer rides, even if it is in the dirt. So having a first gear that's usable, but tall is not a bad thing either. So, you got to find that right balance for you. And what I did find is just swapping it out to a 15 tooth front and leaving the stock rear sprocket uh, was that in the corners, I felt like I had a, you know, I think my mistake was riding uh, a gear too low. If I would have been riding a gear up than where I was, things would have turned out differently. But getting to that, And the reason I was like, okay, 2023 is going to be the year of training for me. And I'm going to try and go to as many rider trainings as I can and seek them out and get out, um, and, and just learn stuff, you know, learn the craft a little bit better. And I know that it ends up making me safer, uh, being out there. And I've been, mind you, I've been riding for years and I started off on quads. Yes. The four wheeled, you know, chinguses, um, which, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I learned how to ride a manual, basically clutch bike, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then it was other friends that was like, oh, you know, you get a dirt bike. And after some, you know, negotiating with the parents, because obviously, you know, dirt bikes are dangerous. Um, it turned into, OK, you know, I, I was the the dubbed the sanest of the three uh, and the least likely to get into an accident. Uh, knock on wood, that hasn't uh, happened yet. Um, but, you know, I think I ride very conservatively, uh, especially in the dirt, especially when I'm out in the middle of nowhere that, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm The best I can be, right? And so we go out. uh, Where this led to was uh, out in the Mojave, coming around a corner. Uh, I I did not carry enough speed, and my body positioning now that I think about was not in the correct place. Next thing I know, front tire scrubs out, and I'm on the deck. And I realized after that that I needed help in my cornering technique because it's the corners where I was really, really struggling with. Uh, so I identified that and and which is interesting, and I'm gonna compare this to uh, the conversation that I previously had with Mason and that he in the Dakar from last year to this year, he was able to identify some things that he knew he needed to work on and was very self-critical about the stuff that needs to happen, right? The stuff that needs to be improved on in order for him to go, uh, go to the Dakar this year, right? And how is he going to make his program more successful at this year's Dakar? What are the things you're going to improve on? Finding those things, I don't care what profession it is. If you're a lawyer, if you're a banker, if you're a, a, a dentist, if you're a, a motor, professional motorcycle rider, if you're whatever it is, whatever we do in our lives, I feel like there's always that. You know, If, if you can take a moment to be real self-critical and look at the things that you're doing, and determine, okay, you know what, I could be doing this better than what I am doing it now, then there's growth involved with that, right? Um, The danger zone is saying everything is good. I am the best I can be. You know, If you come from the side of where, okay, you know what, Uh, I'm good, but I know I can improve and I'm good. Wait a minute. That's a red flag. I know I need, if I'm good now, I could be better if I did this or if I can't. So identifying the that, the this and the that—that that is the big thing, um, I think. As racers, as humans, as whatever, you know. And, and I think that that's that's very huge. So to hear somebody like Mason Klein talking about that, you know, and his writing ability and what he's done and what he's achieved already, you know, he's by no means complacent, which is awesome. You know, that just means he's on a path of success. I think, you know, and at least in my book, and and I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. But so. For me that was the thing that was the moment that when i came around that corner the bike came out from under me and you guys can go back in my instagram to see the video um, of, of it i realized okay you know what i need training and i was able to shake it off and get into the corners and then go back into focus mode and and okay what did i do just wrong what did i just do right now that was wrong because what i didn't want and this is what happens is, is you start riding from a place of fear and intimidation and the bike will win every single time now that's not to say like i could tell you right now just sitting just having the 790 sitting there idling warming up you know after starting it and not starting it for months on end um i that bike intimidates me but i respect it and i think that that was something that my parents and uncle everybody that when we were riding it's like okay you know you have to respect what this thing is and i feel like i i carry that and I'm okay with it intimidating me and I'm okay with it scaring me. But at the same time, I have to understand, you know, I'm the one in control of it. It is doing what I am asking it to do. So for all of those guys that go out and, uh, you know, that try and blame their mistakes on somebody else and go, I'm sorry, nobody was there clutching it. Nobody was there. Nobody picked the gear you were in other than you. Nobody was twisting the throttle other than you yes, the course is dangerous. Yes. Off-road is dangerous. I mean, it's just, it is what it is, you know, welcome to the world, you know? So anyway, that's the disclaimer side of it. But anyway, so for me, it, you know, I realized, okay, it's time to, it's time to get some training in. And, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know who else is on in on that boat, right? That has been riding and said, okay, you know what I need? I could benefit from doing a course. So long story short, I know this is a super long story already, but Anyway, um, so the first class and this was something that I had uh, I reached out to him almost immediately when I found out that he was doing uh, that he was doing classes with uh, Jose Carrasco and the off-road smart guys. And so that was the first class that I did. Very first class uh, off-road related. And and there was a lot of really good stuff that I learned. You know, mind you, I've been riding for years now. I mean, I could say that I've ridden dirt bikes at least uh six, seven years, uh, that I've been doing it and by no means fast. I'm, I, I register more with the adventure bike side of things where, you know, I can, I know I can push a little bit. I know how to read terrain, but at the same time I'm very cautious. So I don't like, you know, you will not find me charging a section of whoops. That's just not my deal, right? If it's a little bit choppy, it is what it is. You know, I can, I can handle a bike, but you're not going to catch me on zoo road in San Felipe doing 70 miles of whoops at 70 miles an hour, uh, and just hanging it out there. Like, People like Colton Udall uh, that can do that, you know, for miles and miles and miles on end. So I am very aware of what my ability is, I think, uh, and and where my comfort zone is. And I'm OK with riding in my comfort zone. And I understand that there's going to be things that push me out of the comfort zone. But going to training and and doing that stuff is what is going to help me deal with that kind of thing. So anyway, so this is now the review part of the off-road smart uh, course that I did and this was the dual sport class so it basically starts at 9 uh, ends at about 2 3 p.m. in the afternoon uh, so it's a few hours uh, small group size we actually because of the group size we ended up with two trainers we had uh, Joseada, and we also had Russell uh, helping us uh, you know with the exercises and the stuff that we're doing so the big thing for me was uh, when picking the class right is uh, Joseada is one of the, the Baja champions that runs the Ironman class so to me, that instantly means that your riding effort, the effort you you put out on the bike has to be calculated. You're not going to manhandle a bike for the entirety of the Baja 500 or the Baja 1000, just like that. Your technique, your everything has to be in line and has to be zoned in. And that was one of the things that, that kind of drew me to that. It's like I I want to learn from those people because – Thinking about it correctly is in in my mind is that adventure bike riding is fun, but it's also long days and I enjoy long days and I enjoy pushing it. I I mentioned that in one of the previous episodes, right? I love going that much further, right? Even though when you realize you're tired and and you know what to do, but just being able to ride that much further, that's a huge thing for me. And that's why I was like, okay, well, you know what? I see where, where he comes from and I want, you know, I want to learn from somebody like that. Um, And there's more people on the list. But, uh, you know, I had talked to him first. I was like, I'm going to go do his class first. I think that's fair. I'm going to get a jump start on my 2023 uh, goal. Right. Go do some training. So went down, met up. We actually ended up meeting up at a like a local motocross track that they have there. And, And it's not like it's not a crazy motocross track. It's got a few jumps in it, a couple of straights, some big berms in it. Uh, and, and just kind of gets, uh, gets guys that were riding motocross, you know, get some, some legs, right. You know, it's nothing fancy. Okay. But it's just something it's cool, right? It's almost like it's a beginner track. Anybody can do it. Uh, there are a lot of jumps there on a big adventure bike. You have to watch out for that. You just basically roll those. But anyway, uh, so we started with the basics, you know, the cornering, the braking, the stopping, the traction control, uh, getting the bike to move. And these are things that I had never actually practiced. You know, this was so for me, it was a very, you know, I was like, OK, it, it seems easy until you're asked to do it. And the real big thing that I learned myself after doing some of the routines that they asked us to some of the exercises they asked is my slow speed control of the bike right when it comes to slowing down and just perfecting the form of doing a corner perfecting the form of braking, perfecting the form of um it, it could you know it was uh coming up and over an obstacle so like a jump you know so to speak there's a lot of things that I was like okay I need to work and focus on a little bit more um and because I can't do them slow doesn't mean I can't do them at speed. I feel more comfortable at speed doing them, but the idea behind it is, is if you can do it slow, you can do it fast, and if you can do it slow, you can do it when you're tired. I mean, at least that's in my mind how, I'm, how I saw it. But anyway, so the first part of the class was just sitting down and talking, and, and it was really talking to us and, and, and talking with us uh, about technique, about form, about all of these things that you know go into, into these bikes. You know, and like I said, I mean, these are big bikes. They're big war tanks. You know, they're not something thats that you're going to ride like a motocross bike. But if your technique is on point, it makes it more enjoyable. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that, that I learned. And I think that one of the big ones that stuck out to me was uh, when when he said, he's all like, you know, a lot of people will give you riding tips. They will tell you like, yeah, elbows up, you know, do this, do that, you know, point your toes and do this. But In some cases, it's not necessarily the correct form. They just tell you, keep your elbows up, but they don't tell you where your arms need to be with your elbows up or they'll give you a tip on something and it's from a good place. It's not like they're trying to steer you wrong. It's just not, there's no foundation for it. Right. And, and, and like you said, I mean, it it can be dangerous, but at the same time, you know, you could get away with it for so many years that you learn the wrong way. You learn to ride the wrong way really well. And that was that stuck out in my mind. I'm like, OK. And it came right to fruition when he starts like, OK, get into your like, you know, get your arms into your quote unquote attack position. Right. Where do you see yourself riding? And, and he comes around and he's moving everybody's arms and he goes, that's not going to work. You know, this bike will literally beat you down in a hurry because it's so big and heavy. That's not a. a that's not an effective position for you to be in. Can you ride in that position? Yes. Is it effective? No. Is it uh, waiting? You know, could could something go down and it could cause, you know, a loss of control of the motorcycle? Yes. So being conscious of that and working on that really like, okay, you know, I, I realized like, all right, there's some stuff that I need to be, you know, I need to be on and I need to be working on. Uh, so, you know, we went through the, a couple of those exercises. I don't want to give it all away because I, he he does a really good job of explaining it. He's a really, really good instructor. I really uh, enjoyed the way that he explained it. And the big thing was, is that it was like, okay, there are no stupid questions, right? We hear that anytime we, we take a class. There are no stupid questions. He gives examples of questions, quote unquote, that people think are stupid that have actually been asked, but it's not. It's just that it's a basics thing, you know, and some people don't understand the basics and it is what it is. You know, you you can't knock anybody for asking the question because nine out of ten times, you know, somebody else was thinking that anyway, and they just didn't want to be the guy to ask. So he explains everything, but it's not just like it's because I said so. It's like, no, this is the reason behind it and why you want to do it. And there were so many things. I mean, I, I can tell you that, you know, like the breaking exercise, um, I can tell you that going into the class, I was like, OK, traction control and ABS. I paid a lot of money for these electronics. I'm going to be using these electronics, but the fact that he was able to stop a bike and then I realized that I was able to do the same thing was stop a bike faster than ABS can in the dirt was impressive to me. Now, regular ABS versus off-road ABS versus no ABS. In that order is the fastest or the shortest stopping distance, right? No ABS. We were able to rope the bike in very, very quickly. Um, and in, in a safe manner, just knowing. And then off-road ABS was not as good, but it wasn't as horrible as just regular ABS. Regular ABS just let the bike slide. And so, again, it just depends on knowing your bike. That was one of the things that was mentioned in the class. Know what you're riding and know the electronic setup, especially on some of the fancier bikes. You, you get into the 790s and 890s uh, or the Nordens. And you're getting into bikes that have a lot of electronics on them that can help and hurt you depending on what you set them up. And if you don't know what you're doing, you could easily put the bike into off-road mode, right, with off-road traction control, but with street ABS. That is a recipe for it. I can tell you because I've had my 850 when I was riding that. I had my 850 in a wash where I was like, I'm confident with this, with off-road ABS on. Came around a corner. Admittedly, I was on the wrong side. I should have been on the outside of the corner, but I was like, "Hey, it's a weekday. We're out here. Never, you know, no big deal." And I come around and on the inside of the corner, and here comes a jeep. Saw him with plenty of time. Grab the binders, grab the brakes, and the bike just was not slowing down. And my mind in sand is even easier to stop because as soon as you drag the rear brake, it starts digging a hole in that. It just it's like throwing out the anchor. Well. Not if off-road ABS is on, it's still trying to do its thing and it's trying to keep you safe, but that was definitely not the safest thing. Now thinking about it, had I had it ABS off, it probably would have been a different story. I would have probably stopped that bike in like ten feet instead of sliding for twenty. You know, so a little bit, you know, unnerving, still, again, I think I blame the riding cautiously and riding in a in a manner that I leave room for error. I think that's why I didn't end up as a hood ornament on the Jeep. Um so here nor there, right? But I mean that that's something that each individual and what they think their ability is and their ability to control their bike is is very broad, you know, is a very broad term or broad saying, right? Your ability. Um so know your abilities. And don't i them always leave room for always leave room for error. Uh, so anyway, so after seeing that I'm like, okay, I need to work on this. But after three or four times of repeating this stopping technique, right, and and getting on, like figuring out how to stop this bike quickly, um, I was I, I found that I had an affinity to like keep going to Josiah because I know him and not Russell. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna switch here and I'm gonna start doing it. And after a couple of times, he gave me a couple of, Russell gave me a couple of tips. And then by the next time I did it, I I stopped, I saw where the bike was, I jumped out, you know, put my feet down and I go, okay, I did this and this. You know, he's like, okay, you know, so did I do the exercise perfectly? Did I stop that bike perfectly straight, drag the wheel exactly what I did? No, I don't think I ever did. But I think what I really learned was like, oh, the bike slid slightly to the left. Okay. That means my right foot wasn't in the right position or my left foot wasn't in the right position. So I started to analyze what I was doing. You know, was I in the attack position? Did I almost like, I think that was important is self realizing what you're doing is like, okay, you know What? I did this because of this and this is what the result I ended up with I jumped up onto the brakes popped the brakes my feet weren't perfect where they needed to be the bike did this and so now I understand that and now I can control it now sliding a bike and and a bike when it's coming to a stop quickly you know if you think about it in a slow pace environment right you were able to rope it in and it was just that last minute emergency stop okay not a big deal The big deal comes when you're doing 60 or you're doing 45 down a road that's really dusty with that real hard pack layer underneath with a little bit of dust on top. And you do the same thing and you try and break the the speed at which the rear end will step away from you is going to be higher. So if you practice it at low speed, right? This is what we were talking earlier. If you practice at low speed doing things correctly, then at high speed, it's just second nature. So that was very like. That was very interesting to me, like learning that. And, and it only became more clear when they actually explained what happens when you don't do it correctly. What happens when your feet aren't where they need to be, you know, and, and that really like resonated with me. Like, OK, I these are things that I need to practice. These are things that I need to do. So I'm, I'm excited, you know, obviously to keep practicing them. Uh, I was talking to Travis about my experience and what had happened. And, and he told me something and I go, I, you know. I had kind of thought about it, but I agree, is it's time to put a bow on the 790. I got the uh, the graphics uh, with uh, with Authentic, where we're starting the conversation, right? What we're gonna dress it up as. Um, I got the last couple little things, but not things that I need to ride the bike. The bike is rideable. Um, it's time to put a bow on it, let it sit for a little bit and focus on the 501 and start working on my skills on the 501. Um, only because on a smaller bike, learn the skills. Bigger bike, it just transfers and it's much easier. And you know what? Yeah, go drop the bike a bunch of times, right? Go make those mistakes. Go practice that slow speed stuff. Go practice the braking. To me, braking and cornering those are the big things, right? And from and and more so is cornering for me is the more like intimidating side of riding riding a a motorcycle. You know, riding it. You know, both on the street and in the dirt. In the dirt, even more because you're like, oh, traction. Mm." You know, so. I learned a lot. And even in this class and, and it, it was really like, I'm like, okay, this was absolutely worth the money. And I really enjoyed it. You know, the way that they instructed everybody, the way that it, it went down, the exercises, however simple they were really, really worked out. And I mean, it's, it was, it was really good. So, uh, sitting down, standing up turns, things like that, foot positioning, those things, um, all of these things had a had a purpose they were explained you know I, I i really do think they did a really good job with the curriculum and how they did it and and yeah it was a short class and there was a lot of stuff but it was like okay you start to get brain fog because you got a lot of information coming at you uh but then you you take a minute and he explains the theory behind it, the why behind it not just this is what you need to do but this is why and this is what happens when you don't do it correctly so there was a lot of that which was really good and then it was like okay jump on the bike now you guys are going to go do it i'm going to show you an example then you're going to go do this okay so we went ahead and did that, and and it worked really well. You know, by the end of the day, I noticed that my cornering felt a little bit better. I was trusting the tires on the bike a little bit better, um, and I it was really cool. As so I got to the point where um, him, Osiad, and then uh, pointed at, to me and three other riders and said, you know, you guys go do a, a lap on the track with Russell. And so we went and did a lap. And then there was something else that I learned uh, that didn't come from them necessarily, but it came from riding with other guys in the class, um, which so basically it's a, it's a short loop. I don't even know how long the loop is, but it's about four or five passes uh, with those, you know, the berms. It's got a couple of bigger jumps in it. Not really big, but, you know, just big enough. You know, you're going to catch some air. And so jumped the bike, did the tabletop thing, blah, blah, blah. Not, you know, didn't clear it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I cleared anything there. Um, yeah, I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, but, you know, getting into the corners, getting the bike to turn, and then getting onto these straights, getting into the attack position, letting the bike suspension work, and, that, man, that was so much fun. You know, so did a lap, went regrouped. One of the guys, like, you know, that's that's cool. I'm not my, uh, not my deal. Uh, he bounced, and then we go, and, you know, it's like, okay, do you want to do another lap? Yeah, let's do another lap. Okay, you guys go ahead. All right, so I did... Uh, I did another lap. The guy, the other guy in front of me was on a stock 890, uh, did about half a lap and then, and then bounced. Uh, I did the whole lap and, and started to pick it up. You know, I, I, I was after doing the first sighting lap, I was able to realize some of the areas that were like, Ooh, this is, this is nasty. This is definitely not adventure bike friendly. Um, So negotiated them, worked through it um and then and then came around and I ended up I, I really wanted to go for a third lap because i had i was starting to feel comfortable on the bike and what it was doing and what i learned in doing those those couple of laps uh i think was it was really big and it's a testament to some of the stuff that i've talked about earlier and 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 when we talk about setting up bikes to ride long distances um it makes a very big difference uh in in how the bike works and what's going on and so what i noticed uh after talking like we go at the end of the class right we go up we're taking pictures and i'm talking to the guy that was on the 890 and this stock bike you know and 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 did really well in the class but it's stock bike and we were talking a little he's saying you know my hands were, you know his hands were starting to hurt all he could do was you know that lap and a half because he felt like he was getting beat up uh and then that's when i realized like okay you know Uh, that's the suspension that's everything all the time that i've spent on the bike and correcting or not correcting but making it more friendly for my riding style paid off and paid dividends right then and there you know and not to say i mean this has nothing to do with riding ability quote unquote and i and i don't know i mean he could have been white knuckle death grip on the thing because the track was intimidating um but at the same time you know okay was the suspension set up for him is it you know what was what was he doing? What was going on? And I think that that was really important. One, two, two important things. One, and I think the most important part of the whole thing was is he knew when to say, you know what, I'm good. Um, that I think is super important, only because it's when you don't say I'm good and you keep pushing that, then that's where problems come. So, then for me, the other that I learned is like, okay, my actual setup isn't that bad now. Um, what I did learn is I felt like I had to push the bike a little bit too hard to get it to smoothen out so now I'm looking at it like hey I don't really want to ride at that pace to get the bike to feel that good so I want to figure out what I need to do to back down the suspension a little bit so it feels comfortable at a slightly slower pace because that's just my riding style and how I want to ride so went through all of that I mean and but I realized like okay I'm, at least I'm on the right path which is you know after spending so much time on the bike um, so anyway, we wrapped up the class, had a chance to talk with us, and we were talking about, you know, going out on the motocross track versus uh, the little jump or this rise that they had us doing um, and practicing on. And it really worked out. Like I really noticed that uh, I, I felt comfortable doing it. And, and in talking, is was like, yeah, he said, these bikes aren't meant for tracks like that. That's just not what they're meant for. Um, and, and I completely agreed and we, we agreed on that. Yeah. You're not going to see a groomed jump in Baja, you know, more than a handful of times. And, but this rise that they had us practicing on and and kind of getting the car or getting the bike off the ground, um, you will see a hundred times in one day, you know, and it's knowing what to do when the bike does whatever, you know, your correct body positioning. So you're, you're safe. That's the big deal. You know, and like you said, he's all, I don't care if you get the tires off the ground or not. I just want to see that your body positioning is in the correct place and you're safe in that because and, and we talked about is it, like y- these come up on you as a surprise. They they whatever it is, you know, you want to be ready for it. You want to know that you're going to be safe. So that was a really, really big deal. Um, and, and it worked out really well. I enjoyed the class. I mean, it was, you know, we even ran over a little bit over time, um, but it, it was all very, very, very well worth it. Um, I think it was a great investment and I'm looking forward. I'm, i I actually want to do more with him because I do like him as an instructor and in how he explains things. I think that that was really good. Both him and Russell did really, really well, uh, in, in teaching the group. And it, it, and again, it was a pretty big group, but they split it up between the two of them. So they kept things moving and everything was flowing, you know, you know, two lanes at all times. So, so the exercises were getting done, you know, it wasn't a big long line. Um, so it worked out really well. You could tell they've been doing this for a while. Um, I I don't remember the the numbers, but uh, I think it's 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 in the thousands now of total people that they've trained. So really awesome. I think that it you know again it was really really awesome to see it. And not only that, these guys are traveling everywhere. I mean, they're going through all throughout Mexico doing these classes, teaching people how you know how to ride and how to handle these big bikes. And if you're riding an adventure bike, if you're riding any bike, training is you know one of the things you want to do if you're riding an adventure bike training is one of the things you really want to do and i think that that is because most people may not have off-road experience going into an adventure bike i used to work at bmw motorcycles i saw it all the time you know they're coming from a street bike and they're trading up to an adventure bike but the idea of riding one of those bikes off-road even in a uh you know even if you went through the corners and the braking, just those two things, if you did no other drills with them other than those two drills, those two drills will get you out of trouble and keep you out of trouble in Baja and anywhere you're riding. And so I think that those things, you know, are, are worth their weight in gold and being able to do that and practice that. But it's better to have somebody that knows how to ride bikes that can ride bikes with low energy output for long distances, I, I think is key. And one of the reasons that I think that is key, and we'll talk about this because this is the part where I realized, okay, the training was literally just paid off, right? That instant gratification part of it. So for those of you who don't know, part of my, down here in San Diego, we've got this world famous road called Proctor Rally Road. It's about seven miles of just sweeping corners and the worst chop you have ever seen. Washboard, just horrible. It gets groomed. And then it's like that a week later and that's because everybody finds out that it's been groomed and they come out and you can hear them you know everybody's doing their best impression of tommy mackinan or colin mcrae you know sending it into these corners uh you know just doing their thing and it gets chopped up pretty bad but in that i mean i know that that road like the back of my hand because it's it's near where i live and it's a road that i can frequently take i just choose not to because of the washboard but on the way out i took that road because it was the quickest way i felt like i was running a little bit behind and so i took the road and as normal i'm like damn this thing is chopped up so fast forward go through the class do all of that stuff we're running a little behind and I'm like, everybody's like you know yeah we're gonna do a carnassata whatever which was super cool uh i didn't get a chance to go to it because i realized like okay it's getting a little later in the day we're gonna lose daylight soon i'm not in cold weather riding gear so i don't want to be you know, frozen. So I decided, all right, well, time to haul ass back to the States. Uh, So coming back through that road, already dark. I was tired right after all of that throughout the day uh, and cold. I'm I'm coming through the road and it's the corners that get towards the end. So this is towards the east side of the road uh, when you're heading away from the city and there's a few corners that are kind of a rise with a little bit of negative camber and and kind of tight and then there's another one that's kind of a long sweeper uh that is that is off camber entering and then opens which is great i mean that's for for the pictures and if you're trying to slide a car around that's the like subaru could make a commercial there for their wrc cars um anyway so coming around those corners I guess the best way of saying it is I got home without realizing I negotiated those corners. I was up on the pegs, did the turns. I did not. I literally had just gone through them in the morning and felt that intimidation, you know, like, Oh, got to watch out. You know, don't don't want the bike to slide out. And on the way home, I was just like, it was just the training and the, the experience that kind of took over and allowed me to just negotiate the corners. Like I literally was home before I even thought about it. And I was riding at, uh, at a normal pace. I don't feel like I checked up. I felt like I just did the turns. I did what I needed to do, you know, put my knee into the tank, feet position correct, all of that stuff. This literally the stuff that I had just learned, you know, and the big thing to me about it was the fact that I was doing it when I was tired and when I was cold. That is the big thing because when you're tired and you're cold or when you're just tired, you know, you, you're going to fall back on what your training is. You wanna fall back on muscle memory, you wanna fall back on on the things that you already know. If your technique is bad, that could be really bad, right? Not entering the corner in the right spot and not having your feet in the right position and riding bow-legged or whatever it is, you know, it's just a recipe for that bike to sweep out on you, uh, especially with the washboard stuff. And normal washboards, to give you guys an idea, is like, remember back in the day, right, you had the washboards that you would use for scrubbing stuff. You're talking about like an inch, two inch difference. This road is so clapped out right now. You're looking at like a four inch, five inch maybe in some sections. Like you get some really deep chop in there. And then on top of that, that it's got kind of some sandy sections to it. Uh, It is a bit of a handful and it can be a bit of a handful. And so I'm going to blame the suspension, but I'm going to blame the technique because the suspension can be as great as it can be. Um, But there's got to be some technique behind it. And I think that that for me was like it paid dividends literally right there. What I had literally just done in the morning paid dividends in the evening. And I think that that was the most important part for me. And that was, I was like, okay, this is, this was a step in the right direction. First step in many, but it was definitely the step in, in the right direction. So for those of you guys, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have reached out to me, uh, over the over the last few months, you know, getting into rally and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of really awesome bike builds going on. I'm, I'm, I am I want to get some in the bivouac episodes with some of the guys that are building bikes uh, out there. So if you're uh, if you're building a bike for rally or you're going to start messing with road books and you're building something, uh, send me a DM on um, on Instagram. Uh, throw your hat in the ring. Let's talk about your bike build. So. A lot of that stuff is coming, you know, and and there are a lot of people that haven't ridden in bikes before, haven't ridden dirt bikes before. You know, it's like, OK, now what is the recipe? What are the things that like we should be getting ready to do, getting on and, and, and working on? And so I, I'm going to I'm going to be a big advocate for training and getting more people out on bikes to do training. And, and let's skip the roadbook thing for now, because there's something very important to this. I was, I was cold and tired doing this, right? But now imagine being cold, tired, riding a bike and having to navigate at the same time. Now, the thing is, is that the navigating part of it is is pretty much... no. It, it, we'll go with 98% mental because you have to think about what you're seeing and translate that into something, right? You have to associate it with what you're riding. The 2% is the manipulating of the switches uh, so that you can... Uh, adjust your odometer you can advance or retract the the road book so you can see the notes that you're on and that kind of stuff but that the navigation part of it is all mental so you have to be able to separate the two um and this is something that you know in listening to pretty much anybody that i've ever heard talk about rally you know and and it started when when i did one of the first rally schools with baja rally uh back when i was with the organization was um listening to scotty talk about how you know hey it, you you either navigate or you're riding you know one or the other and if you start blending the two one of them is going to win and one of them is going to lose and i think that that is very very important to understand because if you're going to get into rally if you can ride a long distance without thinking about it and saving that energy for being able to navigate then i think you're 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 on the right track right now that's to say, if you're doing this competitively, you know, and if you want to get into rally racing, right, you have to really focus, I think, on those two departments and you got to have one good and you got to have the other good. And then you meet in the middle. If this is a recreational thing, you know, pick what you want to do. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you can stop, right, if you're if you're riding and you're tired, like this guy that uh, the, that was at the class that decided, hey, you know what, a lap and a half is good enough for me, you know you can say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I can stop here or I'm going to get to this point and I'm going to stop. You know, there's nobody saying you got to keep going. There's nobody telling you, you have to keep going. Um, there's nobody pushing you to keep going. Nothing. It's all on you, you know? So being wise about that is, is definitely, uh, uh, is definitely an ability and a skill. I'm going to say it's a skill because we can easily hype ourselves up and keep pushing further than we should damn well knowing that we're not ready to do that you know so uh while i understand and i support people pushing themselves and 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 going that little bit further at the same time there is absolutely a hard limit to that and you need to realize where that hard limit is if you want to be safe especially if you ride out in the middle of nowhere you know that's my fear in riding uh with groups of people is is that somebody in the group is pushing themselves further than they need to be i got no problem slowing if my pace which i don't think is fast but if my pace is too fast for somebody that's in the group I have no problem. Hey, you know what? Well, I'm going to go up to this point, you know, and I'm going to keep stopping and I'm going to make sure, you know, and, and, you know, it, just to make sure that everybody is still having a good time. That doesn't mean like, if you're at the back of the pack in a group that we're riding in, you're in the back of the pack in a group that we're riding. In. It is what it is. It doesn't mean, you know, it's just, Hey, you're good. Everything, everybody's having a good time. It's not a race. Nobody's out there, you know, trying to set a, a fast lap, you know, fastest to Laguna Hanson uh, from the Rumorosa society. I mean. No matter how fast we do it, there's people like Colton Udall or, uh, or Johnny Campbell or, uh, Steve Hengeveld, uh, any of those guys will do it faster. I promise. It just, you know what? Take the fifth gear out of it. You know what? Gear them 1587. They will still beat you there. They're that much faster. So. To me, it's it's knowing your ability, knowing how you can ride, riding within your ability, leaving some room for error, all of these things. But the big thing and like I said, the one that paid the biggest dividends is it's okay to know all of that stuff. But it's to go back and say, I need help with these things and I need help with this kind of training. So I think to me that really made a big difference. And I'm hoping that if anybody takes anything away from this particular episode is that, okay? I'm getting into this world and wherever it is, is is my riding ability on par for me to go racing with a road book in front of me. Is my riding ability on par to allow me to be able to even just recreationally ride a road book? You know, you want to be safe because the other side of that is, is that, okay, well, you know, I kind of ride and I kind of navigate. And that time when you're kind of navigating, you're kind of riding is dangerous because you're not in the proper body position that if you hit something, it's going to, you're going to recover or you're going to be able to. To, to be okay. You know, you have to watch out for all of these things and it all plays together. It's all a big, you know, it's all a big show. It's all a big symphony or whatever you want to call it. Everybody has their part. Everything has their part. You want to make sure that, that you're, you're giving yourself the best shot possible. I mean, at least that's how I see it. So anyway, going on 45 minutes, if you guys are listening in the car, you're probably rolling into work and I don't want to make you guys late. And then you blame me on the show and then, you know, it's snowball effect. But anyway, So I hope everybody's having a good week. I hope this episode helps some people. If you guys are out and looking to get into some training or, or going to be working uh, on riding or learning how to ride, I think that it is very, very big deal that you do seek out training in your local area uh, and tell us about it. You know, if, if, I get a lot of people that ask me questions from all over and all around the U S uh, even Canada and U S and, and Mexico. Uh, so if you know of a school, if you know of a riding coach, if you know somebody that can help get people, uh, into a, a better riding form, you know, let's talk about it. Send me a message on Instagram. Let's find out, you know, let's, let's get this, you know, let's work together as a family and get everybody, you know, up to speed and out riding and, uh, and getting on some road bucks. So anyway, With that being said, guys, remember shiny side up. And uh, yeah, don't forget, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.